Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Amen. Well, today I'm going to be looking at the third, if you've been with us, the third and final uh, part of the what I've called the final countdown series. And this is basically looking at, if you're not familiar with this, looking at the end times, the last days or the, as some call it the end times, um, it's sometimes referred to as the study, the eschatology study of the end times, the last days. And for the last few weeks, the first two weeks, this has kind of been really, in three weeks you can't really study the whole of the end times, but you can touch it and introduce people to it and give people a little bit of an understanding about what is to come. I said the very first week that um, many people know when they're saved what Jesus has done for them 2,000 years ago when he died on the cross, that he saved us of our sin, he died on a cross for you and for me, but many of us don't always look forward to what is to come next. We know that, we know that there is a hope to come. We know that God has given us this kind of a salvation and a hope to come, but we're sometimes not always familiar with exactly what will happen. Well, I'm going to tell you first off today that I don't even know what exactly will happen, so it's difficult to say exactly. What we do know is the word of God gives us very, very clear in some areas things what will happen. And in some senses, it's kind of very pictorial and uh, hard to understand. If you looked at the book of Revelation, for example, the last book of the Bible, you'll read that and sometimes people read it and think, I'm never ever going to read that again. Because it's, you got monsters, kind of beasts and things coming out of the sea and it all sounds a little bit too pictorial and very hard to understand. What we've got to remember is that the Revelation is apocalyptic literature and it can be seen as pictorial but it can also, it has very literal meanings as well and it also does, without getting too detailed, it does correlate and speak very closely to other books in the Bible. For example, the book of Daniel, when Daniel receives visions of what is to come in the Old Testament. And then we know even Jesus, when he comes in the New Testament, even refers to clear things that if you look at all these things, you'll find that they all link up together. One of the things I would encourage you to do, and we're going to be looking at First Thessalonians 4 today, is this, is that... If you ever want to study the end times, you can go and buy your paperbacks, you can go and watch the films and all these kind of things. But it's always to start off in, in the books that make it easy to understand. And First Thessalonians, you'll see, and Second Thessalonians, very good short books which have some very clear, simple understanding of the end times. If you start there, then when you look at things like Revelation, you look at the things Jesus refers to, you'll get a bit of understanding on that. So we're going to be looking again uh, just shortly, the, the third and final part, but I'm just going to recap on last week. The first week we looked at being ready, being ready for Jesus to come back. There's an expectancy that was on the New Testament believers at the time that they were kind of acting like Jesus was about to come back any moment. They were acting like he was about to return at any time now to the point where they, they were running around some of them kind of wanted to give up their work because they want they believed he was going to come immediately and then we see that some of the believers started to die so when they started to die the, these people were looking thinking well is Jesus coming back you know some of some of our fellow believers are actually dying now is Jesus words true and what you find is there's this expectancy and Jesus tells us in Matthew 24 that we need to be ready, ready for his return. He uses parables. We looked at the, uh, the ten virgins, the five foolish and the five wise, those who were ready for Jesus to return. And the first week when I looked at this, I was encouraging you as believers, and if you're not believers, then please listen today and understand that the truth of the word of God is this, that Jesus is coming soon. Amen. But I wanted to just focus on that, that the first week we looked at being ready for his return. Second week, last week, we looked at this, the signs of the times, reading the signs. 
In the second week, we looked at what uh, Jesus said in Matthew 24. He looked at, we looked at seven, I broke it down into seven to make it easy, seven specific areas where Jesus said, you'll see these things coming. We looked at the fact that although we need to be ready, Jesus says there's signs towards his coming. He doesn't leave us all in the dark so that we, we don't understand and we've got no idea, but he gives us these signs And some of the signs we looked at last week, just to quickly recap, were number one, false Christ. We'll see false messiahs, false Christ who will stand in the place of. The Bible talks about that there will be an antichrist who will rise up from the antichrist spirit. One you will see rise up today, in our generation maybe, or in the future, who knows. One who will rise up, who will will stand in the place of Christ. And he will try to be like Christ, a pseudo-Christ. So we're going to see maybe false Christ, he said. But there's also, he doesn't refer to just the Antichrist, Jesus refers to false, you know, ones who try to be like Christ. There's been many, if you look in history, not just, you know, if you look on Google, Google's a great place to start, but if you look in history, you'll find that there's many people, it's fact, that people have come along in our time pretending to be and believing that they are Jesus, or believing that they are a, they're a Messiah, but then they soon failed. Number two we looked at last week was rumours of wars. Many of us here and all the time we're watching the news that there's wars happening. And some of us get really alarmed thinking that's it, another war. Or if World War Three occurs, that's it, Jesus is coming now. Jesus said don't be alarmed. He says because the end's not even come yet. If you see the wars, that doesn't mean, if you see a war, doesn't mean I'm coming now. So, And, and lots of us do. I, I, every time the prophets always rise up every time that there's a war. As soon as something happens on TV, the news, the prophets start coming out saying, this is going to happen. Jesus is coming now. And then they always fail. There's been many books written in the past of when people believe Jesus is coming back. And then I'm sure after the date the, that that's happened, then the, the books don't sell all that well. So we see these things, rumors of wars, famines and earthquakes was another one. How many times have we seen these things? We've seen huge, devastating things happen in our world today. But Jesus said all these things will come. Persecution and disunity we looked at. False teachers and prophets. That's not false Christ. That's false teaching. False prophets who are teaching things that are contrary to the word of God and the truth. Another thing we saw was an increase of evil and wickedness. Jesus says in the last days people will be, the Bible says in the last days people will be lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. We see that already now. There's a rise and an increase in people wanting to, uh, to, to love themselves and putting themselves first. Well, the very problems in the Bible right at the very beginning, what causes us to, to fall into the problems we are today in sin is because of self. Because people chose self. And there's a rise and increase in that. And then finally, just jumping through these quickly, one of the, the last signs we looked at last week was the spread of the gospel. Jesus said that the gospel must go to the ends of the earth. It must go all around the world before he returns. So there you have it. There's one specific there that Jesus says, and and I think it's one of the key factors, is that the gospel, the message of salvation to rescue people from this, the devastation of the end or judgment, is that Jesus says, "I, I don't want people to be lost. I don't want people to be Uh, to, to perish, I want to let everyone come and hear the gospel. So the gospel must go around the world. I mentioned last week that there are specific apps at the moment. Someone introduced me to an app a couple of years ago on the phone, an application on the phone that tells you how which places in the world the gospel's reached. And it was amazing the amount. I mean, I was just thinking, well, there's so many places probably are unreached. But there was that much, I thought, wow. Jesus said that when the gospel gets around the world, this is one of the key things. And I think that that's his his heart is to see that reaching out to the nations. So we looked at these signs, making sure we read the signs. If you, to be ready, it means we're looking at these signs with expectancy that Jesus can come sooner, anytime. And I want to just encourage you today, it's kind of, I suppose this final one today is, I'm, in a sense, teaching on this rather than preaching because I want people to understand that this is very, very vital. 
for us to understand that it can come at any time. If we live with this expectancy, we said last week, it will change the way we operate. One of the things that we love as a church is to operate, to make sure that the gospel is spread as much as possible outside of the four walls of this church. That doesn't come from just a desire to to have domination in Cambridge, but it comes from a desire from the Holy Spirit that says we need to do this before he comes with a sense of urgency. We all need to have that urgency in our hearts. So the question is, is if we read the signs and we know that, as we looked at them last week, that these seven specific areas we looked at, we've seen them already. At a very alarming rate, these things are occurring. And the question many people have is, you know, whereabouts are we in the end times? Where do we sit on the end time uh, timeline, as it were? Well, I was very, very reluctant to do this, and I'm going to bring this up in just a short time because I've been in many bookshops and looked online and seen over the years timelines and people looking at uh, when Jesus come back. Listen, no one knows the day or the hour, amen? Jesus, it says, doesn't even know the day or the hour. But what we do know is that we can detect the seasons. Jesus says, if you see, um, if you see these signs, know that the coming is near. So I want to just bring up, just just before, just to kind of set the tone and kick off for today, if you can hopefully see this, a very, very simple timeline for you to understand where we were last week and kind of where I'm going to go today. If you can see on this, it's not, not very good on this one, but I'm going to try and point it out. But the first area that we see here, the blue dot at the beginning, is the beginning when Jesus dies and the whole of the start of the church and in Acts, the kickoff of that is the first point. And then immediately, as I said last week, that we go into the last days. Peter said at Pentecost, he said, he, he, he said, these are the days prophesied in Joel 2, that these are the last days. People keep saying all the time now, I think we're in the last days now. Yes, we are. We've been in the last days since Jesus died and rose again. Those are the last days until his coming. There are two, there's a second coming, Jesus said. So the first stage is here, is from this, uh, this point at the beginning, we have the birth pains. Now we, the reason I want to show you this is we talked about this last week. The signs that we've just mentioned, those seven signs, or seven, uh, areas that I broke it down into, were described by Jesus as birth pains, birth pangs in some translations. So we see that these birth pains, and we described it last week as in labor, as a woman in labor, we know that birth pains come and then they go and then they come again. But towards the end of the, the towards the, the end of the birth, and we, we had a bit of fun with this last week, we see that the frequency increases till the birth comes. And that's what you'll see with some of the signs that Jesus refers to. People have seen wars for many years, but the frequency is getting closer in many of the signs that Jesus refers to. So the first stage here is the birth pains. Now, I'm not going to go in detail with this because this is for you to go away and look into yourselves. But underneath this, if you can see it on your screens, you'll see that there are references at the bottom to revelation scriptures that actually coincide with what Jesus says in Matthew 24 that we looked at last week. So, for example, birth pains... If you look at this, you'll see the seven seals mentioned in Revelation chapter 8 is all, it, it, it correlates with what Jesus says about the signs. So there is a link there. We're not going to go into Revelation, but if you want to look at this later, you can. So you'll see the correlation between the book of Revelation. But then we get to these, uh, the next stage, which talks about the Great Tribulation. The time of the end. And at the top there we see a seven and a half years uh, section which covers those two points. Now, we're going to just lose this for a minute because I'm going to come back to this a little bit later on when I explain something about these lines, the dotted lines, which looks also complicated. So we'll get rid of that for now. But what I want to look at really is that there are these, particularly till the end, without looking at past that and the what people talk about, the millennial reign of Christ. We're not going to go into the details on that and the last battle. We're just going to look at till Jesus comes again. Today, the title of the message is The Return of Jesus. The Return of Jesus. No one knows the date. No one knows the hour. 
And no one knows exactly on these timelines, even if we, we can produce many timelines, exactly when it will occur. But the Bible gives some information. The reason why I want us to look at this today is because the problem today is there are quite a lot of different views on when Jesus will come back. We're all common in our views of the fact that there will be signs, but exactly the kind of on the calendar on the calendar or timeline when this kind of will happen let's just look at what the word of god has to say so in first thessalonians chapter 4 picking up in verse 1 it says brothers and sisters paul says we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Verse 15, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven, this is talking about the Lord's day, his return for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of the arch uh, the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first after that we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so we will be with the Lord forever amen Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Going to chapter 5. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates. I'm sure they were interested in times and dates, just as we are. We do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly. And Paul says the same as Jesus, as labor pins on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But listen to this, verse 4 of chapter 5. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to, not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. This bit of scripture, Paul is speaking to the church in Thessalonica and he's telling these believers, because as I said earlier, these believers, they're starting to see their friends die. They're starting to see people die around them in the church thinking, well, wait a minute. Paul told us and we've, we, we believe Jesus is coming back, but now we're seeing our friends dying. And what's happening here? What's happening to those? Because we thought Jesus was going to come and we're going to see this great day that's been spoken about. But all of a sudden we see that people, our friends are dying and they kind of begin to question, is Jesus really coming back again? We could say today, well, it's, again, we said last week, 2,000 years on, you know, what's happening, Lord? Are you coming? Is these words true? Or is this just all myth? But the truth is this, that our days are completely different to the way Jesus looks at them. And Paul gives a response to them about this and says, don't worry about the fact that your friends are dying. Because listen, you know very well that... Actually, when Jesus returns, the dead in Christ will rise first. In fact, they get the first, they get the first resurrection. You know, so you're better off dead in a way. You get the first, you get the first go. It's true. It says the dead in Christ will rise first. So, so he's saying to them, don't worry about that because when Jesus returns, the first thing that will happen is that the dead in Christ will rise. 
Then it says that we who are alive will go up together and meet Jesus, meet the Lord in the air. So there's going to be this amazing day that uh, Paul talks about, about this time when we're brought up, the believers in Jesus, those who've received Jesus as their own personal saviour, will go up to meet the Lord in the air at this trumpet call, the day of the Lord, as the word of God puts it. But it says the dead in Christ will rise first and will join them together to meet the Lord in the air. I can't wait for that day. I can't wait for the day when that happens. The question is, when will this happen? Now, many of you, and I mentioned it last week, have heard lots of uh, teachings. And by the way, before I even go into today, I'm not saying that no one's wrong or no one's right, because no one really knows, do they? But what we have to look at is the, I want to just study just for a short time today, the various views on what people say about this time. Many of us have heard of a word called the rapture. When I was a young boy, people used to say, Jesus could come at any time. You could leave the youth service tonight and you will vanish in the car on the way home. Or even if you travel on holiday on the plane. I mean, next week we're going on a plane somewhere and, 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 and you know, Jesus could come while we're on the plane. And I don't know whether this is true, but many years ago they used to say this, that some airlines used to only uh, employ, they'd employ one born-again Christian who, who who was to, in the front of the plane in the cockpit because they didn't want the rapture to take two at the same time. So next week I'm going to I'm gonna contact the cockpit, I'm going to ask for a request, not that I want an extra orange juice, but just to check that if both of the people who were, who were you know, driving this plane, if, if they are born again. You know, and, and people have used this word rapture, that there is going to be this, this taking away and this vanishing. And that all of a sudden, by today, at the end of this service, you could be sat having your coffee. And all of a sudden, the coffee goes to the floor and you vanish. And we have to deal with the cleaning up next week. Oh, but we wouldn't be there with you then, would we? So, there's these different views. And what some refer to the rapture as this kind of secret vanishing. That these... All of a sudden, people are going to be left behind and, and people are going to just vanish. Well, listen, I'm not putting these things down because, listen, they get these things from the Word of God. They study the Word of God, but it's good to look at the different angles of what the Word of God says. Just to give you, so you know from my perspective and what the views are, there are three particularly common views. And one is this, pre, it's called pre tribulation rapture tribulation looking back to the first diagram we looked at earlier the end of the birth pains when the great tribulation comes meaning the great time of trouble when that time comes some people believe today through study that there will be a rapture this taking of the believers they will that they will vanish before the tribulation comes the tribulation being approximately, uh, or well, exactly in a sense, seven and a half years, which is, we see in Daniel mentions this, that the seven and a half years period, and that people believe that the seven and a half years period, they won't be around for it. You kind of, we're going to be snatched away, vanish, and we'll be with the Lord in, in what they call the marriage supper of the Lamb. We'll be enjoying a great party in heaven while everyone's suffering for the seven and a half years while the Antichrist is, is kind of doing his thing. Well, that's the first thing, just quickly looking through these, these the kind of the left behind view, the Tim LaHaye books that you see, the view that we'll just vanish. Well, listen, we've read the books, my wife read the whole series when we first saw them come out. It's not that we didn't dismiss this kind of stuff, and it's wrong to do that, but we have to be open to the things. So the first thing is this, that just if we can bring the diagram back up, we'll see that in the first stage after the birth pains. The great tribulation, the yellow line there or the green line, the dotted line before the seven trumpets, the great tribulation period of seven and a half years, that people will just go and vanish, that Jesus will, will take people on that first dotted line so that you don't have to go through the great tribulation. The second one quickly going through is that halfway through is what they call mid-tribulation. It gets very complicated, doesn't it? I just want to show you what people, because if, if people don't see these things, you're not going to understand. So the, the middle part is the mid-tribulation, the blue line, that, that some believers think that we will see some of the signs and then we will be took up and vanish halfway through the period. So within the, 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 the halfway through this seven and a half years. 
And, and then the final one is what is called the post-tribulation rapture. In other words, after the seven and a half years, when the time of great tribulation that Jesus spoke of, that is spoken of in the word of God, that there will be the coming of Jesus. Now listen, all three of these are perfectly plausible in one sense that you could go and listen to me. I know which one I would choose. I don't know about you, but I've got a pretty good idea. There's no, it's, no, it's a no-brainer. I know which one I would want. I want to vanish before the seven and a half years. I want to not go through any trouble. Who wants to go through a time of tribulation that the Bible says will be a time like no other? Persecution. So I know what I'd choose, but the question is this, is we have to be ready if we do go through the tribulation. So the thing is, it's good to look at the post-tribulation view, I think, as almost default, on the sense that we were not, we're not surprised by these things. I think Jesus gives us a warning, personally, that we're going to get persecution, we're going to get trouble, so that we can stand firm. If we look in the Old Testament, the story of the Exodus and the Passover, God has the ability to rescue people through his wrath by them obeying his commands. I believe that he can protect us from his wrath. So listen, there's a time, you're going to see people persecuted. Even the apostles were persecuted, were stoned. But there's going to, I believe that those who endure to the end will be saved. So whatever your view is today, listen, if you think, I kind of tend to lean, and I'm going to be honest with that, towards the fact that maybe we will go through the trouble from what Scripture says. However, I'm quite open to the fact if you say, well, I don't believe that. Well, I'm, I'm quite happy if Jesus takes us away before it all. So we've got to be open to these views. The post-tribulation rapture is kind of where I'm going to be looking at today. That The fact that we might go through some of these things actually describes only one coming of Christ. <clears throat> Only one coming. The other ones seem to talk about two comings. The Bible talks about a second coming. That Jesus is going to return. But the other ones suggest that we're going to vanish halfway through. Jesus is going to come, take his people, we'll meet the Lord in the air. Then later on he will come back at the end of the seven and a half years for a day of judgment. Many have heard that the coming of the Lord is not just about taking us for a party. But it's a day that the, the world will be judged. That the nations will be gathered together for a day of judgment. Bible talks about it in the Old Testament as well. It talks about that the, that the Lord will gather the nations together around his city in, in Israel. And he's going to gather them. And when he gathers them, he's going to deal with them for the way they've treated his land. So I want to encourage you today that we need to be ready for, I believe, one coming. One return. Jesus is coming again and there will be one return of Christ. A coming that we will all see and no. Every eye will see it. The first thing I want to say today about the scripture that we read is this. Jesus' return will be sudden. It will be sudden. We read it earlier. It says, now brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we don't need to write to you for you. You know very well that the Lord, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But look at what Paul says afterwards, verse 4. But you, brothers and sisters, he's talking about the believers now. He says, but you, brothers and sisters, are not in the darkness. So that this day, the day of the Lord, will surprise you, should surprise you like a thief. In other words, he says, you're children of the light. He says, I'm describing that Jesus' return is going to be sudden like a thief in the night. But listen, it's not going to surprise you like it is if you're children of the light. And many of us need to make sure that we are children of the light. We need to make sure that we are born again, saved, 
that we are sanctified, blood-bought, so that what God does on the inside of you is put something that no man can put on the inside of you. He sets eternity on your in your heart, and he gives you a view and a perspective of what is to come that you didn't know how it appeared there. You, there's no logic to this, but God's put something on the inside of me that gives me an expectancy that he is going to come, and I don't know the day or the hour, but I am not necessarily surprised because his day won't come like a thief. Because I am ready. And I want to encourage you today. You must be. The most important thing is that you are children of the light. That you are children of the day. And he talks about, he says, you know, you're not going to be like the ones who are children of the night, drunk. You're going to, you know, you're going to be sober. Have you ever wondered why I saw someone say the other day, that why, why nightclubs are called nightclubs. You know, people go to these places because the things that they do in the dark, they don't want people to see. Listen, we need to be children of the day. That doesn't mean we just, we never go out at night. Well, what are the street passers going to do? You know, children of the day doesn't mean you cannot physically go out at night. He says it means this, that we are living a life that is sober. We're living a life that is focused on Jesus. We're living a life of righteousness. We're living a life that is full of the Spirit of God. That you don't need to question and debate about, oh, when is it going to be, or the timelines. You just know in your heart because you are a child of God. He puts something on the inside of you that my teaching can never put. He'll put His Spirit of guidance to show you, listen, son, daughter, when you see these signs, you're not going to be surprised because I love you. I died for you. It will be sudden for us all. Oh yes, it will be sudden. We know that. The Bible says that it will be sudden. We looked at last week, I think in Matthew chapter 24, it says that it will be like the lightning that goes from the east is visible from the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Quick. We looked at last week, don't be deceived by those who are saying, Jesus has come, come to this side of the world, he's he's come now, come and visit on a plane. No, you will know it the day and the hour when he comes. We're not in the darkness. The dates and times are not important, but your position with God is. The dates and times, how many times did we see it last week when Jesus at the, uh, at, at the transfiguration, when he leaves, or the ascension, when he leaves, sorry, and he goes up in the beginning of Acts chapter 1, we see this, that when he goes up, he talks about, when they ask the questions about times and dates of when the kingdom's going to be restored, his, his answer is this about the, the, the gospel being going out to the ends of the earth and the spirit of God being in them. He doesn't talk about the times and the dates. The times and the dates are not important, but your position with God is, are you full of the Holy Ghost today? Are you full of the Holy Spirit so you're on fire for God? Because I'm telling you something, that in this day and this hour when the trouble and persecution comes, the signs increase, if you're not full of the Spirit of God, you're going to come a cropper. You're going to find things even more difficult, and the pressure will increase. But God is looking for children of light, and that's not just people who like church. Who like to think that they tick the box. But it's about people who want to be on fire for Jesus. They want to be on fire for the kingdom. They want to see the kingdom of God go through the earth. And listen to me, every time we go out to the streets, I want to see the kingdom of God touching lives. Not preaching at them and hating them, but loving them. So that they see Jesus. They see Jesus in us. And so many people, they're spending time reading the books on this and spending time studying it all and they're not doing the work. They're too busy looking at when Jesus is going to come back and the fulfillment of them enjoying the kingdom of God. But listen, do the work. Do the work. As children of light, you will want to do the work. You'll want to be on fire for him. How can we be children of light? By being saved. By surrendering our hearts to the Lord. Asking for his forgiveness. For all of our sin. He can cleanse you and wash you today. Listen, we said it earlier. That it's not about. It's not about just miracles. 
Miracles don't save you. Jesus Christ does. His precious blood shed on the cross for every single one in this room has the ability to save you, give you right standing with God the Father, a reconciliation so that you are sealed for that day. Amen. If you turn in your Bibles quickly, it should come on the screen as well. But First Peter chapter 2, First Peter 2 verse 9, it describes what, who we are when we're saved. This is the deal you get. This is what Jesus describes for the ones who respond to become children of light so that they know the time, they know a detection of the season. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. It talks here, Peter says, that he's called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's what you get as a believer. We're called into the light. His return will be sudden for every single person on this planet. Yes, it will be sudden. But it will not be surprising for God's people. That's the difference. It will be sudden, but it will not be surprising for the people of God. Number two today, Jesus' return will be public. It will be public. If we look again at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, it says this, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a gentle sound, sorry, a loud command, a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so will be with the Lord forever." Here it says, Paul says, that listen, when Jesus returns, it is going to be a public thing. It's going to be a loud, with a loud command and the trumpet call of God, you will see Jesus return. There's nothing silent, there's nothing secretive, there's nothing that you're going to just vanish. There will be a sound like we've never heard before. A loud command, says Paul, and the trumpet call of God. I don't know if you saw, but back in 2012, the Queen's Jubilee, I think it was, they said back then that there were trumpeters who came out to welcome the Queen as she came out. He said 90, I think it was about 90 odd trumpeters, and it was the biggest, they made the Guinness World Book of Records for the amount of trumpeters to welcome the Queen as she come. In 2012, and she come out. I'll never forget the watching that day on TV, and we were on holiday, and we were we were watching the Queen's Jubilee, and the amount of money they said that there was about 10 million pounds plus spent on that day, probably taxpayers' money, on 10 million pounds on that day for the Queen to go down the River Thames on a boat. Did you see it? And everyone's watching on TV and having their parties in the street. It was a fantastic day, but after 10 million pounds of taxpayers' money, she still had to travel in the rain. They couldn't control that one, could they? No 10 million pounds was going to stop the rain that day. And the poor queen, she was going down the Thames and she was just, you know, there was, I, I'm glad I was in the house watching it on TV, to be quite honest. So much cosier. But listen, when the queen came out to celebrate that day, there were 91 trumpeters, it said, who were ready to greet her. Listen, when Jesus comes back, it's not going to be, oh, I'm going to come back and we're just, it's going to be silent. It's going to be a public announcement. And do you know who, who, who are the ones who are going to come? It says we're going to meet the Lord in the air, it says. But I believe the Bible says this, that we're going to come back to earth with him. The Bible talks about the millennial reign of Christ, that we will come back to earth to reign for a thousand years on a new earth with Jesus. 
This is before heaven. This is before the end. This is before the eternity. There will be a time, the Bible talks about the millennial reign of Christ. And at that time when Jesus comes, we will be joining him in procession just like that day. And believe you me, I don't believe, I don't know the date and the time, but I don't believe it will be raining. I believe it will be a glorious day. I believe it will be a day that we'll, well, we won't need to forget it. But there will be a day that we will see him come and it will be public. It will be loud. It will be something that every eye will see. Every ear will hear. And every person will know that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Revelation chapter 1 verse 7 says this. Look, he is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him. In other words, the ones who killed Jesus. And all the people on the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. In other words, Revelation chapter 1, speaking about the day of the Lord, him coming. It says that it's going to be a public day again because every eye will see. Everyone will know. There's nothing secretive about this loud command. There's nothing secret and vanishing about the fact when Jesus comes. If there's one return, he's coming and there's going to be a loud command. Every eye will see him. Everyone will know. So where do we get this word rapture from? The Bible talks about in 1 Thessalonians 4, it talks about us being caught up. The very word rapture comes from the word caught up. We read it earlier that we're going to be caught up to meet him in the clouds. We've just read it in Revelation. He will come on the clouds. But the word rapture comes from being caught up. And if we take that back, we know that in the Greek word, it comes from rapturo. I've been learning my Greek for when I go next week to Rhodes. It comes from the word rapturo. But if you take that back even further to the Latin, it comes from harpazio. It comes from the great snatch, as it were, the great catching up of people. Listen, if you want to believe, and that's fine, that we will be caught up and vanish, this is where this comes from, that we're going to be caught up in the clouds, that there's going to be this kind of secret rapture. But I don't believe necessarily that it is going to be so secretive, because I believe it will be public. I believe there will be a day when every eye will see and everyone will know. Jesus refers to that day because he refers to the day of judgment as the same day, the great day. When he will judge the nations. He will gather the nations before him. If we turn, well I'm not going to look to it now, but in Matthew 25, we see straight after Jesus talks about in Matthew 24. In Matthew 25, he refers to the same day. He's talking about the day of judgment. When there's a separation of the sheep and the goats, as he, as he uses a parable. In other words, there'll be a separation of the ones who did things for the Lord. They had a heart for the Lord and the ones who didn't. That day of judgment when nations will be gathered together. When we, we see this return, there'll be a judgment to come too. I'm thankful we're not going to be judged for our sin. Amen. We're not going to be judged on that day for our sin because listen, when you're a child, when we're children of the light, Jesus says all your sins are forgiven. We're clean before him. But people will be judged for their actions, the way they've dealt with God's land. The nations will be judged for that final time. Many people look at the word rapture, just looking at this sense of us going and listen, the rapture is real. The word rapture, what they get from, is true, but it's about when it will happen, as we've looked at these three specific stages. Of could it happen before, in the middle, or after? Well, you can make up your own minds and study that yourself. But what we're saying is this, that the rapture, we have to believe in a time when we're going to be caught up to be with him. But many people have looked at the, just looking at this in Matthew chapter 24. We looked at it last week, in verse 38, if we got it on the screen. For in the days before the flood, it says, Jesus said, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. Verse 39, they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. Listen to this. 
That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man, Jesus. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, one will be taken and the other left. This scripture here that many have read and we look upon as this is again where we take the rapture of people secretly vanishing. That, you know, the person in the aeroplane is going to vanish while the other one's left to try and deal with it. Listen, this is where these scriptures come from. But if you actually, and I'm just going to let you just focus on this just for one moment here. It says this, Jesus said, remember, it will be like the days of Noah. People knew nothing what was going to happen until the flood came and took them all away. In other words, the ones who were took were the ones who died. The ones who didn't weren't saved. The ones who were took were the ones who weren't saved by the ark. Then he goes on to say, that is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man, Jesus. Two men, one, two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Well, if he's using the same illustration of being took as he is earlier on, then it means that the ones who are took are the ones who didn't get saved. You'd read into that how you like. It could be the other way around. Whichever way it is, it still means that someone's took. But as it is in the days of Noah, one will be took and the other left. Finally today, number three, his return will be restorative. His return will be restorative. We read earlier in First Thessalonians 5 verse 8 to 10. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. We've not been called to to suffer that wrath, but to receive our salvation. I don't know about you, but you may not have seen this, but on that day, it will be a day of judgment. It will be a public day. It will be a day when every eye will see him. But the Bible also talks about this. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says that we will also receive a new glorified body. Boy, oh boy, I cannot wait. It gets tiring, doesn't it? I... I was 37 the other day. Happy birthday to me. And, um, you know, 37 years goes quite quickly. People keep telling me I'm young. I don't feel it. I don't feel it, honestly. I can't do the same things I used to do when I was younger. Boy, I used to ride for miles on my bike. But my body is deteriorating and every single person is. And there's a time coming when your body will decay. It is, it is appointed unto every person that we will die. People sometimes saying they blame God for when, you know, why is there so much death? It is appointed, whether the day or the time, that we are perishable. But on this day, it says this too, and let's just read it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50, sorry, 52. Apostle Paul says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, there it is again, this public announcement. The dead will be raised, as we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The dead will be raised first, imperishable, and will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable. And the mortal with immortality. Verse 54, when the perishable has been clothed with, Im- with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. In other words, the day that you get your new body, that's the real fulfillment of the word. I've been and I've led funerals. I've been in funerals and they used the term and they said death's been swallowed up in victory. Listen to me, it ain't been fully swallowed up. It says that saying will come true on the day of the Lord. So we can carry on saying it at the funerals, it's good. And we know what 
people mean by that. We're looking to the day and we believe that there is eternal life. Our spirits will leave our bodies. That's true. But listen, the day of fulfillment for this word, when death is truly swallowed up in victory, is when that trumpet sounds and you receive your new glorified body that will not decay, will not be um, perishable. I can't wait for that day. And it says we'll go to meet him in the air. Jesus wants you to receive your inheritance. There's an inheritance coming for every single person for that day. That you receive your salvation. That day is when you receive it. Fully in its entirety. When you receive your glorified body. You know we're living in a, in a time now. We enjoy salvation. We work out our sal- salvation each day. But the day will come on that day. Not only will you be a glorified body. But it will be when you understand. Once and for all what it is to receive. Salvation from the Lord. Receiving Our inheritance. In Titus chapter 2. Verse 11 to 13. He says this. For the grace of God has appeared. That offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. Listen to this. Verse 13. While we wait for the blessed hope. The appearing Of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. According to Paul, our hope, our blessed hope is when we see the revealing of Jesus Christ on that great and glorious day. This is the prize. This is the prize we talked about just the other week. That pressing on to the goal, the prize. Looking forward to the day when you will receive your inheritance from Jesus Christ himself. When I was a young boy, we used to sing a song in church, Blessed Assurance. It went, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Hair of salvation, purchased of God, born of his spirit and washed in his blood. Hallelujah. I don't know about you today. I don't know what you think is your hope. But my blessed hope is that day when he will return, when I will not be surprised. It will come sudden, but I will not be surprised as a child of God. It will be a public day that I will rejoice in as well. I don't understand how I'm going to do it. I don't know what trumpet they're going to give me, but I'll tell you something. It will be public and I will join in to to receive our Savior as he comes back to judge the nations. And we will stand and see this. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for that day. That is my blessed assurance. And I'm encouraging you today, if you are not ready in your heart, if you don't know Jesus, if you're not ready for this day, this is the kind of things that are going to happen. Whether you believe in the rapture is going to occur before, middle or after, it's quite irrelevant in one sense. But please be ready for time of trouble. Be ready for an increase in persecution because Jesus said these things. He wouldn't tell us if we were going to be vanishing. Whatever happens... There's going to be a time of trouble, but there'll be a day when we will see our glorified Saviour. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, We would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.